Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the What Matters Most podcast. This is Sean McCreary, Portfolio Manager for First United Wealth Management. This morning, we'll be covering matters of interest regarding the investment markets and the related economic environment impacting those markets. Before we get started, I would like to cover a couple housekeeping items. First off, they might be already accessing it from this location. This podcast can be found at First United Bank and Trust website at www.mybank.com slash blog. Secondly, if you have any financial market questions you'd like answered on next quarter's podcast, please email them to me at smccrary at mybank.com. That is S-M-C-C-R-E-E-R-Y at mybank.com. So, let's get started. First, I'd like to update everyone on how the economy and financial markets have fared since our last podcast at the end of the first quarter. Though volatility was abundant throughout the quarter, much of the negative returns were contained to the overseas markets for U.S. investors as the S&P 500 ended the quarter positive 3.43% return, bringing the year-to-date return to 2.65% at the end of June. Positive markets in the U.S. were driven by several factors. Job market continued to tighten. Non-farm payroll showed an average of over 200,000 jobs per month, and the unemployment rate fell below the 4% level, which many economists can really consider full employment. The consumer has really been showing strength recently. With near full employment, is really no surprise that consumer confidence levels are near record highs. And the consumer is really continuing to show a willingness to spend. Most recent reports on auto sales showed a surprise to the upside compared to where estimates were at. GDP growth estimates for the second quarter are coming in at very strong levels as well. Off the back of, of a final 2% reading for the first quarter, which is a fairly respectable number uh, due to seasonality effects and compared to the last few years, estimates near the 4% level for the second quarter show the economy really remains on solid footing and that, that strength uh, in the first quarter really continued to the second. Last but definitely not least is the earnings growth numbers that we received for the first quarter for the S&P 500 companies. When it was all said and done, earnings growth beat estimates and came in at 24.8%. This showed the strength that U.S. companies currently have, but the numbers were definitely helped and will continue to be supported through 2018 by that new corporate tax rate. Estimates for the second quarter, which really kicked off here at the beginning of July, are really right around 20%. So with those numbers, you might be a little surprised as why returns aren't much higher through the first six months of the year. Unfortunately, like usual, all things taking place around the globe definitely aren't positive. We all knew that. Like I said earlier, volatility throughout the quarter was abundant and it was driven really by several factors. At the beginning of the year, inflation really kicked, continued, um, and inflation concerns continue to worry, be a worry for the markets. Uh, just as the same as it was in the first quarter, signs of inflationary pressure continue to keep the markets on edge. In the first quarter, the culprit was signs of wage growth that sparked a historic pullback at the end of January and beginning of February. Unfortunately for workers, that has somewhat pulled back. Um, but now in the second quarter, eyes have turned to input costs for manufacturers and producers 
within such things like oil, chemicals, and metals. Uh, at this point, we aren't too concerned about inflation as the Fed's preferred inflation measure, the core personal consumption expenditures index, or what we call PCE. Uh, obviously, that's a, that's a mouthful, so we call it PCE, came in at a tar their target level of 2%. This will be something we continue to keep a close eye on, though. European elections, Brexit talks, and continued bouts of populism were another cause of unease for the markets. Italian elections really the main cause and, and kind of headline maker uh, cause of concern. Luckily, Italy was, as well as Spain, were able to form new governments quickly to quell a more severe rise in volatility. Really don't expect this to be the end of political drama in Europe as more elections and important parliamentary votes in various countries are scattered throughout the next several months and into the next year, as well as our, as our midterm elections in the fall. Tariff and trade war talk has been another primary concern and really has consumed headlines, as everyone's well aware. <clears throat> the U.S. tariff exemption period for the EU, Mexico, and Canada ended in June, early June, effectively placing a tariff on the imports of steel and aluminum at 25 and 10% respectively. Then in the beginning of July, U.S. tariffs on $34 billion worth of imports from China went to effect that will shortly go up to $50 billion. Um, and re more recently, uh, there have been talks about uh, a new, new ones of $200 billion, uh, at least being put out there for review um, by the, by the uh, U.S. administration. Retaliatory measures were then announced by trading partners and like expected kind of a tit for tat um, is, is what trading partners uh, say they, will, they would do a dollar for dollar uh, retaliatory measures. Our base case though remains that deals will be made and leaders will not go far enough to shut off global expansion, but only time will tell. So that really brings us to where we currently sit in the financial markets as you may have realized, much of the volatility creating events that took place in the markets during the quarter involved overseas events. These events, as well as the strengthening dollar, are why overseas markets are negative so far year to date. So let's take a look now at what we really expect for the third quarter and the rest of the year. Overall, unfortunately, uh, we expect volatility to really stay intact through much of the summer months and into the fall in midterm elections. Trade wars will continue to be a headwind for the markets and will most likely begin to affect economic growth now that tariffs are enacted. Hopefully deals can be made and the end will be near, but at this point doesn't seem like discussions have been going at least, at least well so far. <laughs> Earnings growth through year end is expected to remain strong tax cuts and positive consumers and business owners should support company earnings. Like, like I mentioned before, second quarter earnings should be near that 20% uh, growth estimate <clears throat> and third and fourth quarter earnings will likely be in that double digit area as well. Inflation and interest rates will have an effect. Uh, wage growth is likely to come at some point um, as we remain near that full employment employment level, uh, which will be inflationary. 
Demand for goods remains strong as the global economy remains in the synchronized growth mode, which, again, will cause more inflationary pressures. As we continue in this business cycle from the mid to later stage that we're in, inflationary pressures are likely to be more prevalent. And as you couple that with the central banks around the world, like the Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, and the Bank of Japan beginning to normalize monetary policy and taking away liquidity, markets are likely to be more volatile, basically just due to simple uncertainty. They don't know how economies and investors and governments are going to react since they've become accustomed to this this easy easy money liquidity in the markets over the last nine years. We do expect one to two more rate hikes by the Federal Open Market Committee of their depository rate this year, or that rate that they lend to banks on a, on a daily basis. How long-term rates react to this and, and other inflationary pressures, um, how they react to that will be, will be fairly interesting. We expect the Treasury yield curve to continue to flatten, but at this point, we are not concerned by an inversion of the yield curve this year most likely not ne- not yet next year but this is another thing that we as well as the market really keep an eye on we don't see a recession taking place this year and next with the positives that we see from earnings growth the tight labor markets and that continued syn- synchronized global growth we do expect the stock markets will be higher by year end than where we sit today we do expect rates to be higher by year end, therefore possibly the value of bonds being slightly lower, but we are not selling our bonds. We are making adjustments to shorten duration and lessen the impact of rising rates, but remembering that bonds are still that important volatility damper that they always have been for portfolios and that rates aren't going straight up. We've seen rates, at least on the 10-year treasury, surpassed 3% this year, but now we're back under. Um, so again, it won't be a, a straight shot up. It'll be more of a grind higher. But always remember that a bad year in the bond market is equal to a bad day in the stock market. <clears throat> so that gives you an idea of what we expect going forward for this year. Always remember that in these later stages of the business cycle, it is even more important to maintain a strong, diversified portfolio have a, sus- a solid, trusted financial plan and a trusted trusted advisor to help you stay focused on your long-term goals. That's really what we do here at First United Wealth Management. So please, if you need help and don't feel confident in your plan, please come speak with one of our many trusted advisors. Before we end today, I'll leave you with a little historical perspective on what took place the last time tariffs were enacted. So in March 2002, President George W. Bush and his administration implemented tariffs of up to 30% on a number of different steel products. At this time, the former administration was concerned about upcoming midterm elections and how the Republican Party would fare in the swing states, a situation really not very different from really where we stand today. These tariffs were full of exemptions, most notably for Canada and Mexico, but really had a significant impact on Europe, Japan, and South Korea. In response to the tariffs, these countries brought the case before the World Trade Organization or the WTO, which ruled against the U.S. tariffs. However, the U.S. decided to preserve the tariffs despite incurring $2 billion in sanctions, the largest penalty ever imposed by the WTO on a member state. 
the EU then threatened tariffs of their own with a particular focus on product products made in the particularly sensitive swing states that were supposed to benefit from the change in U.S. policy. This led the U.S. to withdraw these tariffs within about 20 months of them being enacted, avoiding a, a, a much broader trade war. The events have played out a little differently so far, but hopefully uh, they'll end in somewhat a similar fashion as as the cost of a long-term trade war will be high on really all the parties and countries involved. So with that, we'll conclude this quarter's podcast. Again, today's podcast may be replayed at our website, www.mybank.com slash blog. And again, if there are any financial market questions you'd like answered on next quarter's podcast, please email them to me at smccreery at mybank.com. That is smccreery at mybank.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and have a great day.